Hey, welcome back to Public Health in Action, the podcast dedicated to making public health approachable. I'm Mel. Hey, I'm Keely. How's it going, Keely? How's your week going? Well, you know, it's it's been a an odd one. <laughs> it's been a really weird it's week. It's been a weird week around here. It's yeah. yeah. We've had some odd days. We're getting through. How's your finger? It's not good. <laughs> it's in a finger sling right now. Um it's a good tapper. <laughs> you should use this as a teacher. A little, a little ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> you should use this um, to get your students' attention. Just wear a, a finger sling on my pinky <laughs> yeah. constantly. Just walk around tapping people's desks or the whiteboard. I don't have desks makes... right now. Or oh, that's, a whiteboard. Yep, that's true. I could get, I will get you one. Virtual school. Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> get me a whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> For your Zoom Zoom meetings. I need to go to the finger ice pack. <laughs> it came with that. Uh, it fits two fingers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to help whatever you did to your hand. And I hurt my hand doing yoga. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. <laughs> you know, at least you have me around to take care of you and your mutilated hand that it's, makes it sound like it's a horrible injury it do, well okay here's the thing I go through phases where it's like I do yoga videos I have this app that I love it's called downward dog and they have the best yoga videos I've ever seen and um I go through phases where I do yoga every like three days in a row or four days in a row and then I go probably a week without it and I think okay I really need to do a longer yoga video to make up for the time that I missed. So the other day I decided I'm going to do an 80 minute yoga video and it felt great until I injured myself. It feels like I fractured my pinky. (laughs) Yeah. It was even like a while after the video, all of a sudden you were like, my pinky hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Like you were like coming off of that wonderful feeling of doing that long video and you didn't notice it right away. Right, exactly. And I think it happened when I was doing um, scorpion pose. It's like you're in downward dog, but you're in three-legged dog. So you lift one leg up in the air and then you kick it to the other side so you're angled differently. So it's called scorpion. Sounds horrible. Yeah, and I think I was pressing too hard on my hands when I did it. I like pressed really, really hard. Yeah, I think that was the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to do what you can to take care of yourself, right? Which is yoga right now. Just yoga. You, you do videos. yoga and I buy very <laughs> fuzzy blankets. That's true. <laughs> but who could argue with a fuzzy blanket, though? I'm that holding blanket, it right now. It's it's the softest. So soft. Yeah. I feel like Sansa in Game of Thrones, <laughs> which is what we used to call my Just niece. Cause she had, she, yeah, she would have such a fuzzy blanket around her shoulders all the time that we'd be like oh little Sansa <laughs> that's so cute that is the nicest blanket yeah yeah you know? have you seen I just got advertisements on my Instagram for you know you've heard of weighted blankets yeah my old roommate Danielle plopped one on me once and yes. it was wonderful for like 10 minutes yes but now they're making yeah now they're making weighted bathrobes which I absolutely want I must have. I feel like post shower and bath, I already have enough problems getting dressed. <laughs> that would just <laughs> like delay I put you. On my robe and then I just 
kind of air dry in my bed. And like, if I had a weighted robe on top (laughs) of that, I would never do anything except shower and air dry. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so funny. That's going to be the one invention that is just going to drive boyfriends insane having to wait. Well, let's be more accepting of that. Yeah, partners. Partners. Insane if they have to wait for someone to get ready, yeah. but they're just taking their time because they're using their weighted bathrobe. We just need our weighted bathrobes. Give us time. Yeah, give us some we'll time. We'll be ready Yeah, eventually, or not at all. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new official slogan. <laughs> the new official slogan for weighted bathrobes. <laughs> just get over it already. <laughs> yeah, it's been a weird week. I hurt my hand, and I... Yeah, I was just, I've been really stressed out and um, stressed out in the sense that I feel like I don't have time for a lot of the things I need to have time for right now. And you basically suggested some quick self-care. I sure did. (laughs) Yeah. I sure did. I told Mel to take an orange into the shower with her and peel it and eat it. Which I don't, I don't do. I'm not a person, okay, my mentally right now, my mindset is in a bubble bath with pizza that I had delivered to the apartment. Like, that's all I want right now, and I have no time to do that, and I don't feel like I can treat myself in that way right now. But I definitely am in this headspace where I know I need some self-care because I've been so stressed out. And so, yeah, I don't eat in the shower or drink anything while I'm showering. I suggest it to everyone. Try it. The orange specifically? No, any eating. In the, I love eating in... In the shower, though. Like, I understand oh, eating in yeah, the bath. I like, I like drinking in the shower. Like, I like... I'll, like, in the morning, if I shower in the morning, I'll make my coffee first and bring a hot cup of coffee with me into the shower. That's or, so like, funny. if I shower at night, I'll bring, like, a wine, glass of wine or something. But in the bathtub, I will full... I've eaten yeah. pizza in a bubble bath multiple times in my life. I've done it once and or twice, I've and I love it. Eaten cake in a bath, <laughs> Ooh. and candy, and like it's. I love it. It's like that's kind of pure next luxury for some reason. It's yeah. just like bubbles and bonbons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag bubbles and bonbons. <laughs> I was not expecting you like, to say that. They can't make bath bombs that look like candy and cookies, and then expect me to not want to eat candies and cookies right. while I'm in the bath. <laughs> oh my gosh, that just makes me think of, did you ever watch Gossip Girl? No. no oh, there's no, this I one scene, there's this one fan. scene, she has this one scene where she's in a bubble bath eating macarons. Yeah. Just pistachio macarons, and I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> See? And they make macaron-shaped like, bubble bath, bubble bath, and bath bombs, soaps, yeah. and all the things. They do, yeah. So you There's eat a, reason a cookie for it. while you're in there. Right. I just don't, I'm not generally, I will eat if I'm sitting down in a bath and enjoying my time, but I feel like a shower is meant for different purposes where you're just in there to get it done. Anyway, so I tried, I tried eating an orange in the shower because that's supposed to essentially be like essential oils uh-huh. and aromatherapy, peeling the orange. I was all for it. I was in this headspace like, yes, this is going to be great. And this is what happened. So I had music playing. I don't know if you could oh, hear it. I heard it. You're simply the best. <laughs> I, have it, I have an oldies playlist. I'm just, I don't know, the last few days I've been stuck on oldies songs right now. But 
I had um, I'm Every Woman yeah. uh, by Shaka Khan came on. And I was like, you know that scene in Bridget Jones' Diary when she gets really motivated and she's listening yeah. to I'm Every Woman and she's on the elliptical, like, yeah. powering through. I was just kind of in that headspace, like, okay, yeah, I'm Every Woman. I'm going to shower and try this self-care out and uh, peel this orange. And... Um, you also know how when our neighbor in the apartment next to us turns on water in his apartment, how our shower water kind of dies yep. down a little. So I'm listening to I'm Every Woman, and then I'm peeling this orange, and the water dies down to a drip. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, work with it. <laughs> and then I just had to end up faking it eventually. You know, I had to fake the happiness of it and just keep going. <laughs> I think you set yourself on a weird level with I'm Every Woman. It was just, yeah, it was very I uplifting. You and should then have very... done, like, Deepak Chopra or something, <laughs> like, more mellow with the orange. <laughs> like it was, a... my playlist was on shuffle. I had no choice over what just happened. And I was, like, I was excited, though. I really wanted to try it. and Yeah, you should. I think. It was a major disappointment. I think maybe do it again. <laughs> give it another chance with something calming, like a meditation or... Yeah, some, like zen. I should have had my music. yoga playlist on. Yeah, 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 something you know. It just made me laugh though because I was like, "This is not just thinking like, I don't know, needing self care." Yeah, and so you should, <laughs> I, I made, I basically made you take an orange into the shower, yeah. and it didn't work. It didn't work. It, it was a good thought, but it, it, it didn't, is. it didn't. Um, it is well. Mm-hmm. You know, I accidentally stole some of your self-care habits this week. You didn't force them on me. You did. I did. I was, like, getting ready for a big night of homework. (laughs) And I suddenly looked at the desk and realized that I had set it up how you set up when you're working on stuff. (laughs) I had, like, a drink on a coaster and my notepad placed just so and my (laughs) pens. And I lit a candle, (laughs) which, like, I like candles. You know this about me. But I'm never, like, I do that when I'm on the couch or Mm -hmm. in the bath or, like, cozy in bed. It's mm-hmm. not, like, a workspace thing for yeah. me, but suddenly I just, like, did it <laughs> without any awareness you that I was doing it, and it. then I was sitting here, like, why and how <laughs> did just, I light the candle? We're just meshing into one yeah, person. just, like, slowly forming into one human being. Yeah. Living together. We'll do that to you. <laughs> Living together. Podcasting together. Together, together. Together, together. Forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we had exciting things happen this week, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the one really exciting moment that happened for me this week, um, I belong to this Facebook group that I really love. It's called Women in Public Health. And I decided, you know, I'm going to post about the podcast about public health in action and um, just let people know that we're doing this, kind of get other people's opinions on what we're doing, thinking that there's probably about eight or nine people that will see it, respond to it. But I, after I posted it, I didn't log on to Facebook for at least a day. And when I opened it, I had a hundred women around the U.S. supporting <laughs> us And what we're doing, commenting on it, saying, this is incredible, finally, I can't wait, and I'm going to listen to it right now, or I'm listening to it on my way to work. And it brought me to tears. Like, it was so empowering to have women that you don't know 
that you also very much admire and appreciate because they're doing incredible things in the field where they have their master's degrees, they have their PhDs, they are doing the work that I really admire. And to have them be interested in in this and it's just it's it's so uplifting. Yeah, there's something very special about having like-minded individuals mm-hmm. like recognizing the similar things in you and the hard work you're doing and like not only recognizing it <laughs> but then praising you for it. Yeah. It feels so good. As you all know, this is public health in action, as Mel said at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. But I thought we should take a moment, Mel, to talk about where the name of the podcast is from and what it means mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So public health in action means the ways in which we take care of communities at the community level. It's the policies, programs, the access that is used to improve individuals' lives through the community efforts. It's population health and how we take care of groups of people all at once. And it's basically the community-level efforts. But on an, I also had a professor talk about it in terms of public health and action on an individual level, too, almost as if it's like a random act of kindness. And I specifically remember the example she gave was she was at the grocery store and she saw a mom with a bunch of little kids and she had a bunch of grocery bags and she obviously didn't have transportation to get home. One of her bags of groceries fell on the ground. She looked incredibly stressed out and my professor recognized, you know, most people would see that and would not want to get involved because that looks like a hot mess of a situation. But what if, what would happen if I did go over there and ask her what she needed that I could do that would help her, that would benefit her day, that would improve her overall well-being that day and in that moment. And she offered her help with her groceries. She offered her a ride home and she gave her that family a ride home. And the woman was so appreciative. And I just, I think that this is something that should be talked about more often in public health because we need to have the eyes to see other people's circumstances and we need to be able to recognize how we can reach out and improve everyone's daily life. Yeah, I think that from what you said too that mm-hmm. when you think about the actual words public health in action mm-hmm. and we talked in our first episode about public health enveloping everything and touching everything and that it's not just this elite career term that Mm -hmm. it's everyone has their hands in public health because it's a domino effect and it's this web of things that affects each other and so Mm -hmm. public health in action is like what you said it's recognizing Mm -hmm. a need that will improves improve somebody's day which ultimately down the road could lead to better health it could lead to -hmm. to them helping another person it it builds community and when you build community and take care of one another that includes like your your literal health not just your overall your literal health and that improves the strength of the community and that's what we're all about 
And I would love to hear from people, specifically if anyone wants to email us at melonkeely at publichealthinaction.com and tell us a public health in action they recognized, whether on the community level or on the individual level. I would love to read about that. And, or experienced. Or experienced. And we could read that on the show. I think that would be a great way to spread that idea. Sorry, I'm just laughing because I think about how, like, public health doesn't want to spread infectious diseases, <laughs> and you just use that word, and I'm just over here, like, <laughs> cringing. Wait, that wrong. <laughs> Don't Take spread that back. Things. Don't spread things. <laughs> Only spread butter. Only. <laughs> Tagline for public health, don't (laughs) spread things, only butter. (laughs) But yes, no, I agree. Um, You know, we've we've already Mm -hmm. acknowledged that some of these topics can get heavy and not Mm -hmm. necessarily negative, but they might bring up things that are saddening or Mm -hmm. shocking or like... Heavy. frustrating, Frustrating. And to have moments from our view from our listeners I almost said viewers you can't see us thank god (laughs) yes you don't want to see this right now (laughs) to have (laughs) to share those moments that are more uplifting and empowering Mm -hmm. with listeners I think would be really incredible and I'm sure for other people listening too especially given yeah the state of our current world yeah I mean let's talk about not spread let's talk about (laughs) how we strengthen each other. Let's talk about how we help everyone and how we make it through the day with other people's help. Yeah. Because as like, we've already said a lot, um, public health expands past that idea of just like controlling or preventing a disease. It Mm -hmm. touches so much and it it ripples through everything it's gets more complicated like you and i in preparing for this episode have been talking about the definitions of health right and how varied they are and you read to me if you'd be willing to read it again now a textbook definition of health that had my eyes just like melting out of my face (laughs) at the end of it (laughs) yeah so the way public health professionals define the term health in textbooks it's so filled with jargon and I understand it because you want to speak to every aspect of health but to throw it it just reminds me of (laughs) the example I gave Keely was that episode in Friends when Joey is writing that recommendation letter for Monica and Chandler for their adoption <laughs> of their child, and he wants to make the letter sound really well, and he looks up every word on the thesaurus and then sends in this jargon-filled letter. S- insanely confusing, hilarious. Insanely confusing and hilarious yeah. letter. That when you Where break it down, it, it makes sense. Yes. But it... Necessary. I don't. As a statement, yeah, it's mind-boggling. It is. So this was in two of my community health textbooks. This was the definition of health. It's a dynamic state or condition of the human organism that is multidimensional in nature, a resource for living, 
and results from a person's interactions with and adaptations to his or her environment. Therefore, it can exist in varying degrees and is specific to each individual and his or her situation. <laughs> huh. So, which is... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so many words. It's just so many words. And I get it. I get it. Yes. But it's so many this is just where I feel like the gap is between public health and the community. We know how to talk about this, where it touches every little section, every yep. subdivision, every nook, every nook and cranny of public <laughs> health. We know how to basically label like what it's about, but this definition does not effectively communicate what health really is, in my opinion. Um, so we were trying to look at <laughs> different different definitions through different health organizations, but then we all ultimately decided, what does Webster's Dictionary say yeah, about health? Yeah, uh, I, I looked that one up because <laughs> I don't have public health textbooks. <laughs> uh, Webster's defines it at health as the condition of being sound in body, mind, or spirit. So the Webster's Dictionary definition of health is good. It makes sense because when people think health, they think mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, mm -hmm. basically. And I think that's a very well-rounded way to uh, describe health in a quick way. But I think that's also not encompassing of everything health touches on either. So there has to be a better balance between... That health definition that I read and Webster's Dictionary. Right. I think that should be a task for health officials to figure out a better way to communicate that. And maybe that's just what we're about to do. So Maybe, yeah. You know, one can hope that that exists. Because it's so, like, that's not, there's not even a Venn diagram of those two definitions right now. They're so <laughs> far apart from each other. <laughs> Like, we need to figure out how to bring those <laughs> two circles closer together. We just need the communication to make sense to people that don't study health. It's Health is a very interesting subject to me, but a lot of people aren't interested in spending their time learning about it. Public health is the prevention of infectious disease and also health promotion. And the difference between... I would say public health and the medical field is that it works with population health and not individual treatment. It's the community level or the global level of improving the quality of life for other people. And I think that's a, a big, one of the big differences I know in like things you say are like mm -hmm. treatment versus prevention. Mm-hmm. And public health is all about how can we implement mm -hmm. programs and policies policies and community planning and mm -hmm. community care in a way mm -hmm. that prevents things and then ultimately aids in treatment when it's necessary, like helps with it. Exactly. Yeah. The core functions of public health definitely include 
the assessment of information on the health status of a, a community, comprehensive public health policy development, and assurance that public health services are provided to the community. And I also think hand in hand with that, it's important to make sure the community knows and understands what those services are. And that's something I think we should do for sure in this podcast is talk about what we have available here in Portland and then have that ripple out, trickle down to right. We've talked other about communities. that. We've talked mm-hmm. about that as like being a dream of part of our community would be having a excuse me, a resource, whether it's on our website or our Facebook page or what have you, but some sort of resource where we can, whether it's organized by city or state county. or county, like mm-hmm. whatever, all of the above. Yeah. Um, but having a compiled list mm-hmm. of resources in various communities right. so that like, yes, you might know of something that's in your community or something that's lacking in your community, but do you know that it exists somewhere else? And can you reach out to them and then make Mm -hmm. that happen in your community? Like to network with other communities that just want to be like, I need help doing what you do in my community. I think, you know, I think that kind of does happen a little, but the only way people know about that is if you are in the public health sector and you are working in those organizations and you are the one specifically communicating with those other organizations. So I think it would be cool community health education to spread that knowledge. I keep using the word spread because I put it in your brain now. (laughs) Yeah, that's a dangerous term. Share the knowledge. (laughs) Sharing, Sharing the knowledge of how these things happen and what's available. It just needs to be talked about more frequently. The the professionals are doing it, but if you look at a lot of community organizations too, Mm -hmm. they're not always started by professionals. They're not. And the people in the communities Mm -hmm. are experts in their community and they, they know what they need. Right. And, um, I think, it's to go back to the name of the podcast, Public Health in Action. Mm-hmm. It's about everyone becoming active in understanding yep. how to build these certain areas of your community up. Exactly. Recognizing the needs of the community and acknowledging the oppression that certain communities have faced and the different populations within each community as well. Because you can have more than one population in a community. There's based on race, ethnicity. You should have more than one. You should have more than one. Your sexual identity, things like that. Yeah. To paraphrase Dr. Fauci, who is one of my public health idols. He's everyone's idol right now. He's everyone's idol right now. I know. It's kind of funny, though, because I watched a documentary with him during my studies like a year or so ago before all of this happened, and I just could not stop thinking, that guy is so cool. (laughs) Like... I I just was so impressed by him. I watched this documentary where he was on this panel and he he spoke about health in this way where he said, health is where you live, work, and play. It's not the moment that you show up to a hospital with an injury or an illness and you need to have it fixed. It is everything that is involved before you reach the hospital And that was a huge turning point for me, too, because I never really thought about health in that way. I just thought of 
everything before reaching the hospital is just daily living. And I didn't really specifically think about my health in that way, but it changed my outlook completely. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this before and I would just, as an educator, I always think of how children fit into this thing too. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's not just where you live, work and play. It's also where you learn because if Mm -hmm. you think of what and what a resource schools are for so Mm -hmm. many things for kids that really need it, it can be a safe haven. It's where they might get their only meals. It's where they Mm -hmm. might get programs that allow for vaccines. If they're in sports, it might be the only physical they get that year would be to make sure they're healthy enough to go into the athletic program. Um, And so I would just to add to Dr. Fauci's, if you're listening. (laughs) Oh my God. Can we have that be a segment segment on the show? Dr. Fauci, if if you're you're listening. Anyway, I would like to add where you learn <laughs> is also <laughs> needs yeah, to be on the learn. list. <laughs> also where you age, too. Um, yeah. In America, it's a very interesting dynamic of yes. retirement homes and care facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, exactly. All of the important things. And that leads right into yeah. like discussing what the social determinants of health are and what that phrase means and mm-hmm. our lengthy, probably not even long enough list we have here in right. front of us of right. them. So the social determinants of health is a very important concept, very important phrase. And the easiest way to describe it would be the factors that go into your health. And um, the CDC defines it as the conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work, and age. And the circumstances are shaped by the distribution of money, power, and resources at global, national, and local levels. They're mostly responsible for health inequities, which are unfair and avoidable differences with health status seen within and between countries but also within states and communities, such as your friend groups or your families. Yeah, I definitely would even see that within different, uh, like, not necessarily smaller communities, but like other subgroups. Like if you look at the history of LGBTQ youth and homelessness, which obviously Mm -hmm. leads to health inequities and disparities, Mm -hmm. um, and then homelessness in general. But like when you look at it, even within those subgroups, like you were saying, like friend groups and families and Mm -hmm. all of the variations of being human (laughs) and how it affects you. Right. I want to grab my textbook really quickly. Okay. Okay, Textbook nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. It's important. I know. (laughs) I still read my textbooks, even though I've graduated and go back to them. (laughs) like a diary kind of I mean I have some that I do that with too so yeah I get it I just wanted to find a way to describe this in a way that was understandable um so I we were looking up a list of social determinants of health and the best list I found was from healthy people 2020 and for anyone that doesn't know what that is it's basically the nation's health agenda where it guides health policy and 
the U.S. It's the fourth set of health goals and objectives that the government. What? I'm just picturing like public health people with like a crystal ball or something <laughs> like trying to look into a full decade a full decade of like <laughs> health these are the goals things. we have yeah. <laughs> tell us the future, us the future. <laughs> is it in the cards <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah basically every 10 years we come up with a new healthy people set of goals and objectives and right now we're on healthy people 2030 but since it is still 2020 the list is online i know how How is is it still still 2020 2020? (laughs) please let us just get through 2020 (laughs) but for example the social determinants of health include your access to education your economic and job opportunities as well as your occupation your access to healthcare services social support, your income, your gender, your race and ethnicity, your sexuality or sexual identity, your physical environment, your neighborhood conditions, your access to safe drinking water, clean air and toxin-free environments, the crime rates and exposure to violent behavior, your access to housing, your access to nutritious food choices, But that also includes health inequities such as food insecurity and food deserts. Um, Also, your availability of transportation, your availability of community-based resources that are supportive of community living and opportunities for recreational and leisure time activities that promote your health. Yeah, it's all not to like keep reminding everybody here but like it's all connected and you and I have talked about specifically Portland and like there's Mm -hmm. several neighborhoods that um it's funny to think about it as a health issue we were just talking about this before we started recording but like sidewalks affect your social determinants of health Mm -hmm. like if you are in a neighborhood where you don't have transportation and you have to walk around and your neighborhood doesn't have sidewalks, that puts you at risk. It does. I, the first, the very first public health class I took, we spent an hour only talking about sidewalks. And I, in my mind, I was like, am I studying this? What, (laughs) (laughs) what is this class? And I kind of was just, thinking, do I need to change my major again? But it really... Is this going to be all about sidewalks all the time? (laughs) Yeah, and I was just like, why is this important? But that was also a big moment for me, too, because I thought, I can learn a lot here. If there is literally an hour where a professor is dedicating their time to talking about how important sidewalks are for your health, this is a big concern, and it's just knowledge that needs to be shared a lot of people grow up with such privilege that they don't realize that sidewalks are so vital to your health like your safety your access to exercise even Mm -hmm. um, your physical activity during a day everything so the social determinants of health are a big concept and a very important concept and something that public health officials and what i hope everyone in the community will always go back to and incorporate in the way they think about health. 
Right. And it's basically like when you consider social determinants too, it offers up ways of understanding why someone's health is the way it is. Upstream thinking is also a very important concept to discuss. And I think the best way and the most frequent, oh, wow, the most frequent way. (laughs) (laughs) I won't look at you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The most frequent way upstream thinking was described was this story um, that John McKinley used to address the American Heart Association in 1974 as a way to challenge health professionals to look upstream where the root of the problems in the communities are. Right. It's basically, and because you've told me this story many times, um, the understanding that short-term fixes mm-hmm. um, don't actually address the initial problem they don't create sustainable change that is needed to improve the health and lives of everyone in the community so this story goes like this you know he said sometimes it feels like this there i am standing by the shore of a swiftly flowing river and i hear the cry of a drowning man so i jump into the river put my arms around him pull him to shore and apply artificial respiration Just when he begins to breathe, there is another cry for help. So I jump into the river, reach him, pull him to shore, apply artificial respiration, and then just as he begins to breathe, another cry for help. So back into the river again, reaching, pulling, applying breathing, and then another yell. Again and again, without end, it goes the sequence. You know, I am so busy jumping in, pulling them to shore, applying artificial respiration that I have no time to see who the hell is upstream pushing them all in. Yeah, and that's, I think that goes hand in hand with what we were saying earlier about public health being about prevention and the medical field being about treatment. Mm -hmm. And in reality, those two fields need to work hand in hand because there has to be somebody looking upstream mm-hmm. while somebody else is pulling the people out of the river to save them. Right. It has to be. It has to be both. Upstream thinking is another way to dig deeper into the problems that impact communities on a deep, deep level. Right. And it it provides opportunities not just for like the programs and policies that right. we've talked about that public health does, but also for building equity and equality mm-hmm. and like making improving these improved communities, improved systems within the community. And interpersonal relationships. If you can recognize what is going on and realize that something isn't right and stand up for it, that also improves everyone's health. When we're looking at these systems um, and how we want to change them to build equity and make equality happen, we also need to consider like what those terms mean. And 
I think by now, I'm hoping everyone has seen this cartoon. It sure did but make maybe its they, rounds. Maybe they haven't. If they haven't, but they, yeah, we're gonna describe it. We're gonna describe it, and we also can post it on our social media. Too yeah, we when can, we post the episode we can so that you, it. so that everyone can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this very well known, I guess, infographic cartoon yeah, um, of a baseball scene, of a baseball scene, or some sort of sports game. I think there's also one that's soccer or something Mm -hmm. um but three individuals are watching the game over a wooden fence and everyone has a box that's the same height well the three individuals too it's important to note that there's an adult and a teenager and maybe a young child so obviously their height is different their height is different Mm -hmm. and even with the equality that the three same height boxes bring, mm-hmm. they can't all see over the fence. Right. Um, and so equity would be building a higher box for the shortest person mm-hmm. so that they can all see over the fence. And I think that still gets kind of confused because it's like, well, but they all have equal they can still all see over the fence. So it's still equality. And it's like, well, the difference is, is that one person started behind. Mm -hmm. So you're giving them extra tools. You're giving them extra help. Yeah. Recognizing that somebody doesn't have certain privileges and offering Mm -hmm. them the tools to not necessarily gain the privileges, but like bypass the systems of privilege or, 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 um, work through, to be on the same level, to, to be, be on this, yes. to be considered on the same playing field, yeah. which is a human right. Yes. Everyone deserves to have life, liberty, health, and happiness, and it should be equal and yeah. equitable and and shared. Oddly enough, not to talk about an analogy within an analogy, <laughs> but um, the way we talk about it in education is that oftentimes there are children that are seen as just like in the past, not so much anymore, but like in the past in education, and I'm sure you've experienced it as a student, you've seen kids treated like they're a problem. Right. When in reality, we need to make education equitable by understanding that they have lagging or lacking skills. Mm -hmm. And how do we give them those skills? So then, so then they have the skills, which means they have the higher box. So they are then afforded the equal opportunity of everybody else through building equity. Um, and fairly recently, because it didn't always have this this cartoon, um, there's a couple different versions of it, but it's been people have added justice and mm-hmm. liberation to it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the liberation illustration, we there is no fence right. at all. So um, they're watching the game and the fence is completely the, removed and they're just sitting yeah. in the field watching the game happen. Yep. Yeah, and there's there's zero barrier, right? Because the fence is the barrier. And in the Justice one, the fence is still there, but it's chain link. Everyone can see through it. And so, to me, that the difference between those two is liberation means, like, the system just works for everybody mm-hmm. in a way that is in itself liberating mm-hmm. and... Not necessarily easy, but um, freeing. Yeah, uh, it's more simplistic, 
and the justice one means that we're making the system work for everybody. Right. Let's talk about the fence in terms of the barrier as well. How you said that's what it is. It's a it's an actual barrier. And in public health, when you look at existing policies, there are still barriers that prevent people from reaching a higher health status. And this is all about acknowledging the existing barriers and finding a way to change them. Um, specifically, though, gatekeeping happens all the time, happens frequently, and it's when individuals specifically put up walls and prevent other people from reaching or maintaining something that improves their quality of life because they want to be in that elitist position yeah. of power, of privilege. And it honestly just on all levels needs to be demolished. That should yeah. not be an existing thing that happens. But um, I think that's a goal to talk about right. gatekeeping in a way that we can recognize if we do it ourselves and stop I think it's so frequently, like, that term is so frequently recognized in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Um, I also hear it a lot in the LGBTQIA plus community, Mm -hmm. um, especially for me. Yeah. Um, hear it a lot about bisexuality and, like, whether or not it's valid and Mm -hmm. from both straight people and people in my community. Mm -hmm. And I think so frequently we talk about it in those terms and the more of these interpersonal relationships or identity based mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. that we forget that gatekeeping also can happen on the professional level. I've it had does. friends had very negative experiences because of their identity still, mm-hmm. but involving the medical field or medical yeah. professional. and um, It's a reality that isn't yeah. discussed very often, and it's a hard topic to bring up because you everyone wants to acknowledge the fact that doctors are do the most incredible work and you know i even watched <laughs> i should have a jar for every time i talk about a documentary we but... need so many jars i feel like we'd actually save money <laughs> if we had jars like coin jars for all the sh- the stuff we bring up i i remember a documentary where a group of women of varying ethnicities talked about their experience with their access to healthcare. And it's something that I didn't personally know was... I knew that access to healthcare was an issue, but I didn't know that there would still be an issue the moment they're in the meeting with their physician. And gatekeeping can still happen in that moment, that interpersonal moment with their doctor. And that is a very sensitive subject and a very difficult one to discuss, but that is very important. It's a factor... It's a social determinant of health. Well, and that goes back to, like, recognizing the difference between a profession as a Mm -hmm. whole and the fact that these professions are still run by individual humans Mm -hmm. who do have biases. Yeah. And maybe alignments or affiliations, whatever you want to talk with, talk about however you want to talk about it, that will affect how they see other people and... As much as we want 
everyone to have some sort of separation to remain professional in those situations. It's not always the case. It's not always the reality. Right. And that can be really harmful. Incredibly harmful. In how people are treated. And it can also limit people's need for being met where they're at. Right. And that's another great concept to talk about. Meeting people where they're at is so valuable because it means how we authentically show up for other people, how we see someone at their lowest and know that we're not above helping them because of the differences we have in their personal identity or their demographic or their circumstance in life. Public health is all about helping everybody regardless of what you are going through and just recognizing that people face these varying health disparities and we will do anything to improve their quality of life, which also includes another concept, harm reduction, which is just making sure that no matter what is going on, we are doing everything we can to prevent death and reduce Anything that will harm someone's mental, emotional, physical health. Back to sidewalks. Back to sidewalks. (laughs) It makes me think of my drug education class where we talked about our bias against people with addiction. And we learned about... Right. We spend so much time looking down on them. We do. Yeah. And we stigmatize and we um, have all of these negative ideas of people that... It's a disease. Right. And one way that public health uses harm reduction in terms of drug education is providing clean needles. So someone is less likely to become infected by using a dirty needle because they feel shamed. Yeah. Yeah. Because they feel shamed by what they're battling, what they're going through. And they... And, And they might not have access either. Right. Limited access, limited access, poverty, what have you. Yeah. And I think what you were saying, too, about the stigma, right? Mm-hmm. And this idea of these stigmas existing with these things is they are they are part of the um, short-term downstream thinking, right? right? right. And when you, when you turn away upstream from the stigma and just thinking this is a huge issue. Like, why are they doing something that would harm their bodies to how did they end up in that situation? Right. What circumstances led them to need to need it to to get through one day to all of the varying things that people can go through that lead them down that path. Mm -hmm. And how do we start there as prevention? Right. Right. And how do we also take care of them and try to help them fix their quality of life, right. even though yeah. downstream mm-hmm. there are these thoughts and ideas that are inherently negative they about negative. people experiencing that. Right. Also, for public health, how do we change those ideas? Yeah. How do we effectively communicate that that's not the normal way to think about these 
major social issues anymore. We don't look down on people. We don't shame them. And how do we educate communities right. about lifting each other up right. through through the community? Mm-hmm. And this is something, I mean, I rant with you about stuff like this all the time, but like the idea of diversity mm-hmm. in communities and schools like disappearing in some ways due to right. gentrification and mm-hmm. um, lack of community planning and and people being forced out of their neighborhoods and homes that they've lived in sometimes for generations in families and it really like oddly enough like I've been I've been continuously in my mind equating it to like a lack of biodiversity like if you put all of one type of person in a space far away alone like you're not gonna have a valuable well-rounded ecosystem a valuable well-rounded society that lifts each other up that positively affects each other Mm -hmm. and when we look especially when we look at like gentrification it drives me crazy that like the property value Mm -hmm. of the wealthy house down the street negatively affects the 80 year old guy that's been in his house for 60 years Mm -hmm. that doesn't that's like losing out on the money or like can't keep paying the taxes because the property values in the neighborhood are going up and they kick them out Mm -hmm. it's it's maddening and um it's just one of those those structures in our society that that need to go back to being community based and mm-hmm. care oriented and and trauma informed trauma informed as well and compassionate and not just trauma informed but trauma informed care yes yeah and and trauma informed education too yeah. like that's a big important step that educators are taking now of yes Um, So they can actively help their communities because a lot Mm -hmm. of educators, like, yes, they teach in specific communities. They might not live in them or have experienced them in the same way that they teach in them, especially when you look at the majority of educators being white middle class women. Like they haven't had the same experiences as their students. So being Mm -hmm. able to do trauma informed education and trauma informed care Mm -hmm. is incredibly valuable and vital. Yes. And, And I think it's about partnering to. Um, as people like for me as an educator mm-hmm. involved in a community and I'm sure for you as a public health official official in like involved in communities, it's about partnering with existing community experts, the people who have been there and experienced it and lived there on what they're gro- going through and not necessarily being coming in and like all gung ho and being like, I can fix all your problems because right. I mean, especially for us as white women, too, like we've been talking about like Mm. the white savior complex and like all of these other social commentary things that are coming up um, between various demographics. But also it's it's insulting to their way of life, to that community's um, Mm -hmm. already like standing long term Mm -hmm. way of moving through things as a community. Mm -hmm. And so it's not I can help fix this. But what do you need? And Mm -hmm. then lifting up their voices to get them what they need. Exactly. And I mean, it all comes back to compassion. 
and compassion empathy. and empathy. Yeah. That was beautiful. I'm like blown away. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank I'm you. Fired up. <laughs> I do get fired up. You just made me a little speechless. I just like you took words. <laughs> right. It must be all the tea I drink. <laughs> I'm not a tea drinker until recently. You just had all this tea. Yeah. Got me so excited. <laughs> but yeah, you actually, Mel, you showed me this mm-hmm. great descriptor earlier of the differences between pity, sympathy, empathy, and compassion. So sympathy is acknowledging that someone is suffering. <laughs> Which when you say it like that, it makes every sympathy card sound Sounds like BS. So... <laughs> like, like terrible. Yep, you're sad. Mm, that sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the big the big thing is empathy. Being able to feel someone's pain Mm -hmm. it's those people that when you're crying and they cry with you those are empaths yeah yeah can I just quickly speak to empathy Mm -hmm. from like a development standpoint yeah children don't gain empathy until around age eight okay and they gain it through imaginative play And so when they're doing imaginative, let's say two kids are doing imaginative play and one of them pretends to get hurt or pretends like they're drowning in water or pretends to get hit on the head and the other one runs to them and pretends to care about it, Mm -hmm. they're ultimately practicing empathy and it's connecting those pathways in their brain so that when they hit a different, they hit a development point where they're like, oh, I can understand Mm -hmm why my friend getting hurt is bad because we used to play that we used to pretend to do it and it's just fascinating to me that we literally go from sympathy to actually gaining empathy Mm -hmm. like there's so much where they're just like yeah they're sad whatever (laughs) and then all of a sudden they're like but now I understand why they're sad and I can feel it yeah it's being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes And then compassion from that is being the person that wants to relieve another person's suffering. Which it seems wild to think that that not everybody feels that. (laughs) But (laughs) not even that. If there's one way I can change the world, it would be to teach people about empathy and compassion. And And just... (laughs) Here I go again with spreading... Spreading it around. (laughs) Spreading it around like confetti. Oh, confetti. It's hard to clean up. As a teacher, you're like, no. (laughs) One time I spilled a bunch of confetti and glitter on my classroom floor, and I just walked away from it for a few minutes because I couldn't deal with it. I was telling my parents the other day, this is just a funny teacher thing, I was telling my parents the other day that we were driving past like Adidas, and we hit like a curve in the road, and then this huge box of crayons just flew across your car. <laughs> and I just, you were like, oh, there's that box of crayons. Like, it just makes me laugh so much. They spilled everywhere, <laughs> they rolled all over the place. <laughs> But I got I got them picked up though. They're I, back in their box. It's just that's such a cute teacher thing. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, yes. If if yeah. only because I feel like people understand empathy and it's like, 
whether or not they choose to share it because there's also back to stigmas there's also Mm -hmm. stigmas of like sharing too much of your emotions and so i think people lean towards sympathy because then they're not involved as much and public health the tagline is get involved (laughs) (laughs) we're all about taglines tonight emotions welcome Well, yeah, we don't need to calm down. We need to feel more. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) Making (laughs) t-shirts. I think to another aspect of having compassion is this idea of not only empathy and putting yourself in each other's shoes, but this like idea of which I feel like has been talked a lot about since the pandemic, this idea of solidarity and, um, that even though we're all in slightly different circumstances, we can all be feeling the same things and and trying to heal the same parts of our community. Right. Um, and that came out so much since the pandemic with protesting and I mean the first the first thing all I of think the that, that have been happening. All of the things, but I think the first thing that was really shocking to me was all of the information about domestic violence situations and that's something that just I care so much about and I can't wait to talk to the organizations in our community to provide those resources on this platform. But yeah, domestic right. violence and, and black lives matter. Yeah. Like right. all of these things that I think oddly enough, the pandemic provided people with time Mm-hmm. to devote to these social issues that need more aware awareness and these communities of people that need to have their voices heard. Yeah. And it's very, obviously there were a lot of horrible things that came with it and the pandemic itself and COVID itself is, it's horribly sad. Like, right. The the lives lost, the lives negatively affected right. by the three things we just mentioned. But there's this uplifting idea of solidarity and even on the simplest terms mm-hmm. to lighten things up on the simplest terms of like everyone learning to bake bread <laughs> and like doing puzzles and figuring right. out how to be at home yeah. and be a little bit more self-sufficient out of an, out of necessity and safety mm-hmm. for their health. Right. I feel like I had this weird maternal instinct kind of kick in where I, I felt like I really needed to make bread. Do you remember me yes. during quarantine? I, I was freaking out thinking like, just thinking I wasn't doing enough. Yeah. And needing to bake bread. Well, you're home all... (laughs) When you're home the whole time, and you're just like, I can't just watch more, you know, 90s TV shows, Tiger King. (laughs) I can't watch more true crime documentaries. Like, I need to do something, but I can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to bake bread, too, and then I couldn't find yeast. My mom had to mail me some. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't find bread flour anywhere. And I even looked on Amazon and I found, I think, a 20 pound bag or something. But it was like $160. But I was really, it was outrageous. But I was actually deeply considering getting it because I was like, wait, this could. I was glad because you texted me about that. And I was like, don't do that. There's recipes where you don't need bread flour. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know I've never made bread before in my life, but somehow, like in the last seven months, I've really needed to bake bread and I still have not done it. But the it's, urge has come and gone. I think that's part of this like unified solidarity stances, right? Like we're seeing, mm-hmm. we saw all these trends come out of the pandemic. We saw like the bread baking we saw the like, whipped coffee the whipped coffee thing yeah um tiger king tiger king um puzzles i yeah like, i people doing puzzles and playing games and stuff again that i definitely paid for a puzzle app <laughs> paid for a puzzle app accidentally paid for a puzzle app oh yeah but i did i did, did. i did yeah i just bought two actual puzzles <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's yeah. cuter. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lady in the tramp one, you know, where they're eating the spaghetti. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that spaghetti was hard. It's noodles <laughs> going in every direction. It was so hard to put together. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That's like a description of my life. Noodles going in every yeah. direction. If there was one way to compare how I was at the beginning of quarantine to now if there were some images so the first day of quarantine i ran a 10k on my own because and i've never done that before i was just like so motivated to be out and running i was at pretty good physical fitness at that point in time and i was all about getting out and doing long walks every day in my neighborhood i had a great area before before i moved in i had a great area to go walking and parks everywhere always wearing a mask but then now if there was a way to describe how I am in quarantine I feel like that scene in Jurassic Park where they're sitting in the jeep yeah and there's that glass of water and then all of a sudden you hear something stomping behind and you see the water shaking in the glass I feel like if there was like say you're laying on the couch in our Uh apartment And I have a glass of wine on the coffee table and then just scan to me like stumbling towards the glass of wine. (laughs) I just have not been getting out for walks or exercising the way I used to in the beginning of all this. And I'm just just the weight of everything. There's so much more stress than the beginning of where we were. And Ah. and you have a sports injury. (laughs) I have have a broken finger. We, we, we're trying to get back into normal active things, though. We, we have a trampoline. We bought a trampoline. And a basketball. Yeah. Mel accidentally punched the ceiling because she's so <laughs> tall and she was jumping on the trampoline. <laughs> she was all excited. She just punched, was... <laughs> straight up punched the ceiling. That was so terrifying. Oddly enough, that is not how you injured your pinky. No, it's Like not, you said earlier, it was yoga. It was yoga. The most <laughs> calm of activities. <laughs> And broken. <laughs> and broken. <Aww>. What <laughs> we, else can we talk about with quarantine? With quarantine? My, can we talk about for a second <clears throat> one documentary that I watched with as much appreciation as Tiger King was My Octopus Teacher. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't watched it because you told me about it yes. and then my term started for school. I decided, okay, it was one, it was, (laughs) that's right. I decided I was going to put on a documentary to help me fall asleep. And then I would just kind of casually. You didn't, you didn't sleep. No, it was probably. And you were even wired about it. The next day when you were telling me about it, your eyes got like really wide. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have 
so much passion for wildlife. I love animals and I love, love, I love. You love them. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of accent is that? (laughs) Borat over here. love wild animals no i mean like i meant to say like because of my english professor animal activism Mm -hmm. is so cool to me she was very invested in it and i love (laughs) love (laughs) (laughs) octopi octopus (laughs) octopi love 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 i love there was this quote that i stumbled upon on Instagram recently that I thought was really beneficial to the public health mindset. And I don't know how I came across this person (laughs) at all. I think I just randomly stumbled on it. But his name is Jaya John, and I feel bad if I said that wrong. But he's the author of Freedom Medicine Words for Your Brave Revolution, and he has this little passage that I think wraps up this whole episode really well. But he says, privilege isn't about how easy you've had it. It's about the hateful, hostile, violent, murderous, genocidal, oppressive, dehumanizing, daily barriers and threats that you haven't had to face that others have. The ones that kill you quickly and the ones that defeat your soul slowly, like sand grains taken by the sea. That you don't know these barriers and threats is itself an immense privilege. Being defensive and in denial about your privileges serves no one and protects the diseased social caste system. Privileged, unacknowledged, and unreckoned becomes a weapon of oppressors. Let's make a pact. Let's all grow compassionate about seeing our privileges and how they relate to the oppression of others. This is how you heal social harm and supremacy diseases. To be a good ancestor and a decent human is to count your blessings and the social and historical roots of their arrival. And I was blown away by that when I found that. Yeah. I think it encompasses all of the major issues we've faced. This year. This year. And before. And beyond, because this is something we will be talking about in every topic we discuss because privilege is destructive maybe not to the person that has the privilege but to everyone around them and um, it's important that we know all of these concepts moving forward so we can be a more aware community and empathetic and compassionate yeah And stand in solidarity with your community. Exactly. And that's how you build strength. And that's public health in action. (laughs) Bring it it back around. Circling back. Closing it up. That felt good. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers.